Welcome back, everyone. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Today's episode is very important. We talk about relationships. And what I want you to understand is that not only do relationships affect us every day, either in ways that are supportive or ways that are harmful, but relationships affect our diseases every day also. Not only do relationships affect our disease, our disease affects our relationships. So for example, someone with AS, they and their disease affect not only the people in the grocery store that they interact with, it affects those close to us. It affects our mood, which affects how we show up for other people, and also how other people show up for us. This is so deeply fascinating. This episode talks about how sometimes a relationship can be hurtful, sometimes it can be helpful, and the necessity to engage in relationships that are beneficial for you and for your wellness and for creating a life of less pain. We talk about a critical mindset that really needs to take place. And it's not only the mindset, it's also a feeling state. And one thing I tell people when it comes to healing is that it's the feeling that does the healing or healing follows feeling. If we are in a state of chronic stress and anxiety and anger, the the psychology of that and the psychological consequences of that are not good for health. That's what can create a lot of illness. To invert that, we learn the art of wellness. We learn to feel better, to, dare I say, feel good. That's one thing that Peter Winslow helped me do was, despite pain, despite an ankylosing spondylitis diagnosis that scared the pants off of me, He taught me how to feel good anyway. And it was from that feeling that created the healing. I give a couple examples of relationships I had in my life that that were difficult to be in when I had AS. And I think that for you listeners out there, really pay attention to, to how I describe some of the interactions I was having with people and whether it was actually good for me or not. And a lot of people that are caretaking for us, a lot of people that care about us when we have illness, they're doing the best they can. Absolutely. They love us. They adore us. They want us to live the best we can. For the most part, they also can really be unaware that they are supporting illness instead of supporting our health. We talk a little bit about trust, too, and how... I'll give you a personal example. When I was working with Peter early on, he was like, Sky, I trust everybody. And I remember being like, how do you trust everyone? Because some people are not worth trusting. And he's like, well, I trust that they're untrustworthy. Mistrust causes a lot of anxiety. It causes a lot of stress. I encourage you to transition from thinking that like, oh, someone's not worth trusting to actually you're I trust who they are. I trust that they've had a certain pattern and that that might continue throughout their life. Or 
I trust that I'm on the right path. And the thing is, is that is not so much simply beneficial in the brain as it is in the body. Because for example, people with anxiety can also commonly have chronic disease like AS. And when someone transitions from a place of not trusting people to a place of trusting that those people are mean or that we don't want something to do with them or that they they have a terrible track record, then if you make that transition, your own nervous system calms down and you are able to feel better. This podcast got a bit interrupted. We, because of a lot of traffic on the internet, I believe we lost the connection basically at the end of the call. So it's a little bit of an abrupt end, but I will patch it up at the end and give you a quick summary. Thank you for being here, everyone. It's fantastic being with you. And here is the conversation today with Peter Winslow. Good afternoon, Peter. Good seeing you again. Hey, Skylar. Good to be here. It's nice to see your smiling face today. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm really excited about today's conversation because relationships are super important in all of our lives. And when I look back at my whole progress from the onset of ankylosing spondylitis, like pre-diagnosis, through five years of severe pain, and then working with you, I can see how relationships were, were paramount for both the stress that helped cause the pain and inflammation, as well as the healing and having a positive outcome. And relationships are something that are in all of our lives all the time. And people with AS, it affects everyone from the grocery store to their girlfriend, to their parents, to their boyfriend, everyone. And so I'm curious to kick off this conversation, what were some of the relationships like in your life, either pre-ankylosing spondylitis for you or, or during that time period when you were in a lot of pain? Well, that's a great question. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, first of all, I think it, uh, bears credence to say that our relationships are incredibly important in our lives. And as a success coach, I always teach my people to recognize how, who they surround themselves with is critically important to where they go in the world and what they experience as a result. Who we surround ourselves with is everything. Who we're connected to, who we know, who we, uh, choose for our relationships, And that's a big topic as well, who you choose in your relationships. So most people who've got chronic conditions like ankylosing spondylitis or others have relationships, of course, with their families. And those relationships can often become based on the illness or the weakness itself. Because the person, the sufferer, the person who's got the condition is now identifying with that condition as part of who they are. And so the people that they're connected to, people they surround themselves with, are seeing that in them and agreeing with them that that's who you are, or at least that's a part of who you are. You're a sufferer of ankylosing spondylitis. And then you get attention for that reason from them. You know, maybe they uh, are kinder to you and they open doors for you and they help you get up out of the chair or, you know, the doctors who ask you how you're doing and offer medicinal supplies to help fight the symptoms and so forth and so on. They're looking at you and basing their identity with you on that condition. And that can be very difficult and troubling for people to try to heal from that because this is now who I am. So oftentimes the family members will support the illness rather than support the individual in healing from the illness. 
without knowing it, it isn't something that they're trying to do intentionally, is hold, hold you back or anything. In fact, if you found magic fairy dust that could heal you, they'd probably be all for it. Although with a skeptical eye saying, well, don't expect too much and don't have too much hope. But they would be for you healing. However, their attention, the attention that they're giving the person who's afflicted works against that person when it's identified with the illness. So my relationships were very much like that. In fact, uh, I had a very rocky relationship with my parents when I was a teen. I was a rabble rouser and a troublemaker and a lost soul. Didn't know what my purpose was on the planet. Everything that I had done, I was, I was an athlete and very good athlete. And I thought I'd go straight to the NFL and be a professional athlete. But then I got injured really badly. And that took away my dreams. So I didn't know who I was and what I was doing. And I started getting into uh, the dark side of drugs and alcohol and all the rest of this stuff. So my relationships reflected that. And there are people out there listening to this conversation now who can relate to that. That they're using drugs and alcohol or other means to self-medicate and try to escape the condition that they're in. And so my relationships reflected that. I was in temporary relationships. I didn't stay close to my family. I moved away from them. I always had a girlfriend or a fiance, but I was mean, I was angry, I was hurt, I was in pain, and I felt like life was unfair. So that reflected in my relationships and they always fell apart. So <laughs> there's not a lot to laugh about there, but it was, a, it was a process I went through that ultimately led to my enlightenment. And that's what I'd like other people to realize in their relationships, if they conduct these things properly, and we're going to talk about that today, how to do this in a way that helps them rather than detracts from their healing, if they do it properly, it's the best thing you can ever have is a supportive relationship. So it's very important who we surround ourselves with, and that's one reason why. Would you mm -hmm. agree? Yes, I would. And I have a really specific example of, of a relationship that was not working for me. I had a girlfriend at the time and, and she was great, but I noticed one thing that her mother would do. And every day her mother would be like, we were living on her family property at the time and I was in really poor shape. I was having a hard time even walking. And every day her mom would be like, Sky, how are you doing? And right. I, even if I was feeling pretty good and I'd be like, Suzanne, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. Thank you for asking. She would be like, really? Like, really? Are you, are you really okay? You know, because cause we just see how much pain you're in every day. And, right. and we, we love you and we care for you. And, and it hurts us to see you in pain. And I didn't know a lot about um, stress and the mind-body connection and all of that. I was just relying on, on my pharmaceutical drugs at the time. But I knew that her... Yeah saying that every single day and then even when i was feeling good have her almost like reinforce or push that that i'm actually not doing okay was was really hard and i can look back now and very clearly see where she was like you say the family was actually supporting the illness she out of her out of her love out of her care and not knowing any better she was actually supporting the illness instead of supporting my health. That's right. That's what I re referenced when I said they identify with the illness as who you are. Mm -hmm. They're well-meaning. They're trying to do their best, but they think, you know, that this is the situation. 
And by the way, science and medical science has said there's no cure for this. So, you, you know, get that out of your head right now. You're just going to have to live with this. This is who you are and what you're doing for the rest of your life. So now they want to be nice to you or support you how they can. But if you say you're doing well, like you said, her response was, really? Are you really doing well? Because yeah. they're yeah. feeling your pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard something one time that fits in here. And the person said that concern is no way to care. And with caregiving from people that love us, lots of times they're really concerned. And when someone is really concerned, again, they're kind of victimizing the person that they're concerned about. And it's, it's sort of hard not to if you don't know any better. Well, concern is just another word for worry. Yeah. I'm concerned, I'm worried. And people may not realize it, but worrying is meditating. So when I ask people in my practice, do you have a spiritual practice or do you meditate or anything of the like? Well, if they're warriors, they're meditators. <laughs> yeah. They're meditating on what they don't want. <laughs> yeah. And it's more often than not coming true for them, at least in their mind and imagination, because that's what they're focused on internally. Mm-hmm. So meditation is focusing on the one thing to the exclusion of others. And worry is meditating on what you don't want. And so warriors, you know, people that we call warriors typically are constantly having that tape loop play in the back of their minds about what they're worried for. It's not always at the surface. They're not always talking about it or thinking of it consciously, but it's always on that tape loop in the back of the mind playing itself out. Now, a better word for worry is concern. It's different a little bit to be concerned. It's an elevated state. But if they're concerned about you, they're worried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they mean well, however, they have a limited uh, grasp of who you are and what you're dealing with. And that's why in the, uh, AS, uh, the AS Victors Association, we help educate people on this process. In fact, I edited a book, co-wrote and edited with a woman named Elizabeth Snow, a book uh, for caregivers of people with AS. It's called Caring, Coping, and Communicating, and it teaches people how to do that. That's available free, that book, on asvictors.com. But the reason we wrote that book is to help people with this very process because the caregivers don't know how best to handle this. They're just doing the best they can with what they've got. And oftentimes it's not helpful. It's even counterproductive to healing. Mm -hmm. So to relate what you're saying specifically into the relationships framework, I think about two people that have been diagnosed with AS. One finds himself in a community that is focused on pain and what they don't want. The other is focused on healthy development, on developing the virtues of wellness, working with people who encourage positive growth. Their lives are going to look completely different a week from now, six months from now, 10 years from now. They're completely different people. Absolutely so. It's like they're taking different tracks through life. The issue is that the one is a uh, positive-minded and positive-affected individual, meaning that they do and say and think and feel things that go in the positive direction. And the other one is feeling victimized and hurt and like they have no choice. So this will determine their outcome in life. So they need to develop mindsets. In fact, that's one of the resources that I give away on my... uh, 
AS Victor's Club site. It's called the Five Mindsets for Healing from AS. People have never heard this before because the medical community doesn't know how to do it because the medical community simply doesn't include the mind in what they're teaching and doing. So mindset is something that we have to do for ourselves, create a mindset. And mindset is easy if you understand what it is and how to do it. But most people's mindset fluctuates from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. We call it the monkey mind. Continues to jump around like a drunken monkey from place to place. You know, in the course of a few minutes, can go to 10 or 20 different places in the mind, and they're completely scattered and unfocused. So a mindset simply means this. Choose and focus. That's all a mindset is. Choose and focus what you've chosen. Focus on what you've chosen to look at. And that's a mindset. And everybody's heard, you know, that you can do whatever you set your mind to. Have you ever heard that? Has anybody ever told you you can, you can accomplish what you set your mind to? Yeah. That's the power of a mindset. So we need to have these mindsets in our lives if we're going to overcome these challenges. Ankylosing spondylitis is an autoimmune disorder. People overcome autoimmune disorders on a daily basis, but they don't do it through medical means because the medical professionals don't have a way to, uh, to produce that outcome. So we do it for ourselves. Lots of people overcome autoimmune disorders simply by changing their mindsets and their behaviors. It's their beliefs and behaviors that lead them out of the issues that they had with illness and chronic disease. Chronic, remember, the word chronic means that doctors and drugs cannot cure it. It's chronic. They can treat for the symptoms, perhaps give you a little pain relief and so forth, and that can be useful, but they can't cure you. So their mindset is that there's no cure. There's no cure for this. You can't do this. And what they're meaning is we can't do this. And, of course, in the American medical system and largely the same around the world, we put our faith and our trust in our doctors and whatever they say is gospel truth in many cases. If they say there's no cure, you better believe there's no cure anywhere in the world. So don't go to a, a Mexican shaman or a, an East Indian practitioner or an acupuncturist or any of them because the Western medical professional has determined and dictated by fiat there is no cure. That's the mindset that people have going forward when they go on a path of victimization and disempowerment. They don't know that there's any other choice. So we're here to offer that other choice and to be living beacons to this testament that we have healed, and if we can do it, you can too. Simply have to learn what to do, and that begins with the mindset. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes, about which mindset is most critical for people to take on right now. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. And I want to jump back and say something that is really important to point out. And it's that people do recover from autoimmune diseases on a daily basis. And every day. Every day. Every day. There's, there are success stories all over the place. And they do not do it through typical allopathic Western medicine programs. Those programs are amazing for trauma care. The medications are amazing to help reduce inflammation. I know that there were times where that was the only thing that gave me a little bit of relief was some pills, and I'm grateful for those. And there's also the mindset, the psychology, understanding stress, the mind-body connection, and that's where the success stories come from. That's where people do the healing. That's right. It's the mindset that begins that whole process. 
So people have to get with others who have the right mindsets and surround themselves with people who've done this already. That's the, the resources that you and I are providing to the world now. Yeah. For both people who were diagnosed and suffered with AS terminally until we found out how to overcome it emotionally and mentally because we reversed the cause of the condition and then went in that direction of positive thinking and positive aptitudes, you know, belief and behaviors that supported getting better and being well and healthy. And it took care of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've received two videos recently from people that I've been working with and they were really excited to make them and to start giving back to the community that is ankylosing spondylitis all over the world in a way that can give them hope. And I think about like the, the mindset, one of the, the necessary mindsets for healing for me, I didn't consciously know this at the time, but I remember when I found your video and it was on YouTube and it gave me hope. And that right there, I can look back and see that that was a mindset. I went from sadness and depression and my life sucks and this is going to be permanent to, to hope. That was my beginning phases of transitioning into a healthier mindset. And now, for example, there are more and more testimonials that you've gathered in these videos that I got that give people hope, which is a really healthy mindset to start developing. And that's something that we can build upon. Yeah, that's where we start with people is to know that there is hope. Uh, however, that's not where we remain. Are you still having hope that you'll get better? <laughs> no, 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 right? No. You're, you're right. Like, yeah, it's, we, we, we build from that quickly. But that's, that's kind of one of the first shifts that I've noticed in myself and others. And the first major shift after the hope is trust. Mm -hmm. And everybody needs to learn trust. Trust in themselves, trust in the world. That's a mindset. You either trust the world or you don't. And most people are taught not to trust. We don't trust anything, right? And so here's one thing that I've done that's outside the box thinking. I trust everything. Now, sounds naive, right? Sounds ridiculous. I trust everything. How can you do that and live in this world? You know? So I trust everybody also. I trust people and I trust everything that happens because I've arrived at a level of awareness where that's my truth. Here's what I trust. I trust people to be who they are. So if a person lies to me, I trust that maybe he'll lie again. If a person steals from me, I trust that maybe they're capable of stealing from me again. I trust that they are who they are. I trust people to be who they are, and they're all doing the best they can with what they've got. Mm -hmm. So instead of going around with this attitude and this mindset of I don't trust, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. He stole from me, which makes me lower my frequency of awareness and my happiness and clarity of mind. I trust that they'll steal again. So I've turned it completely upside down, and I trust people to be who they are. And by the way, when you trust people, they're more likely to earn that trust. Now, this doesn't, this is not a license for ignorance. This is a higher state of mind. So I'm not giving you my credit card number. I mean, that would be foolish. Yeah. I'm not giving you my car keys if I don't know you. But I trust that you'll be who you are. And I trust that people are doing the best they can with what they've got. And I know that if I were in their position, if I were raised the way they were raised with the beliefs and behaviors that they adopted and fulfilled, 
and had the resources that they had and the level of consciousness and intellect that they espouse, I'd be right where they are too. I trust that. I trust the world. I trust the universe to be on my side. And so I learned the hard lessons and I come through them with flying colors. And so that's a different way of living a life and a different mindset than crossing your arms on your chest. I don't trust them. I don't yeah. trust the world. I can't trust myself. That's yeah. what works against people. Yeah. <clears throat> and really, we're always trusting in something. Sometimes we're just trusting in the, the negativity. Or <laughs> okay. The, right? Like, that's one way I think about it. And, and I remember you said you were talking about trust when I was working with you years ago. And it's helped me stay relaxed. And it's helped my nervous system calm down. When I see someone, this is classic with people that are in chronic pain and autoimmune disease, is their nervous systems are just wired really tight and they're stressed out. Maybe oh, they don't realize it because it's their normal, but, but I can see it. And when they can make a mindset shift and start just trusting, maybe they just trust that that person is not someone they want to be around or whatever, but, but the trust aspect brings a calming feeling to the body, in my opinion. And that, that's the whole benefit. If you trust, yeah. it's a lot more relaxing and confident than if you don't trust. Yeah. And the physiological uh, outcome of that is palpable. We can measure it on oscilloscopes and so forth, on medical equipment. You can see exactly what's going on when a person trusts and feels relaxed and calm and stressless as opposed to when they don't. Yeah, and it is. It's, it's the physiological shift there that is the benefit. Definitely. Yeah. There's many other benefits too, though, in living your life on purpose in a, po in a positive way rather than in a non-trusting way. It not just elevates the uh, physical health that you're feeling because it releases the stress, but it opens clarity of the mind in a way that uh, allows you to see the world differently. You know, we all see the world as we are. We think we're seeing what's out in the world out there as it is. We're seeing it as we are because we're running it through our filters and experiencing it in our brains. Every external experience that we've had is really an internal experience that we process through our brains one way or another. So when you're less stressed and you're relaxed and you're trusting and confident in life, life gets so much easier. And what you see out there often works for you instead of working against you. Yeah. Now, to relate that to healing, I remember, so I talked about the first video that I found of you on YouTube and I felt hope. And I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. I remember like, do I want to read the YouTube comments of what other people have to say? Because like something in me, I just, I trusted you. Your message was different. It wasn't something I had heard before. It was so positive. And I just, I felt so good about it. And I remember reading some of the comments and people didn't quite fully understand what you're saying. And I was like, but I trust him. I get it. Like, like something in me just trusted you. And I want to have that sort of be a way to preface one of the most critical mindsets that we can, that we have to have. And, and I'll let you say it, but in me, I saw that video of you. I trusted you and all of a sudden I started feeling that I had some support. Like I didn't even know you yet, but 
but I felt that I could reach out to you. And right there, I was like, yes, there's someone that has some positivity for me. And I'm pretty sure he's accessible. I think that I can contact him. And so with you and your coaching, and you've, you've been a visionary in this world of health and healing and ankylosing spondylitis for years, what is one of the most critical mindsets that you know that people can, can take on in order to start reclaiming their life from ankylosing spondylitis? So yeah, that's a great question. And now we can dive in and uh, reveal that because it's essential for people to have this mindset and to go forward from this perspective. So in my uh, video called The Five Mindsets for, Mindsets for Recovery from AS, the, uh, the five mindsets are like this. One, you believe you can heal. If you don't believe you can heal, you probably won't. Two, you live with purpose. You have a purpose for being in this world and you know what that purpose is and you follow it. Three, you are flexible and you're open to doing whatever is necessary physically, mentally, and emotionally to help your condition. Mindset four is you own your own habits and you practice what you preach. So your word is your bond and you're good with that. You're in alignment with uh, your habits and beliefs. And the fifth one is the one that we're referring to now, which is critically important. And it goes like this. You feel that you are a part of a supportive community, which could be teachers, coaches, physicians, and friends who believe in you. So notice I didn't just say you're a part of a supportive community. The important part is that you feel like you're in a, a part of a supportive community. The feeling, that feeling that it imparts to be a part of this community, that confidence and well-being and support that you get from feeling your inclusion in this group, that's a measure that heals. So we've got to surround ourselves with people who are healing and supporting us in healing, not necessarily supporting us in illness. Remember we talked about that earlier, how our families and friends are supporting us in illness because they believe the illness is who we are. And they identify it as our, you know, our being in the world and what we've got to pay attention to first. So like if you have AS, we can't go to the park and ride the roller coaster. You know, so we're going to write that out of our will right now. You know, it's not on our bucket list because you can't do that because of who you are. So first thing I want people to recognize about that is that the people, our caregivers, the people who care about us and, and take care of us, they're not trying to hurt us. They're trying to help. It's beneficent in intention. And it's not even personal. They're not making it personal about us. It's who they are and they're doing the best they can to help us. But they're coming from a tribal perspective. Meaning if you're in our group, this is how we handle it, this is what we believe and how we behave, and this is what we'll do with you. Because you've got AS, the doctor and his tribe says there's no cure, so we've got to keep you on medications and make sure that you don't eat the wrong foods or you know whatever else your beliefs and behaviors include. So it's tribal, not personal. Mm-hmm. So the second thing we've got to do then, if that's the case, is we've got to let go of those who detract from our healing. We've got to let them go. And that can be really challenging if it's parents that you're caregiving for or, you know, people that you're looking after or children or spouse can be really tough. So what we have to do instead of let go of those relationships is mitigate exposure to them. And how do we do that? By finding supportive communities and spending time there. 
We've got to find these supportive communities of like-minded individuals who've been through what we've been through and are experiencing what we'd like to experience and feel like we're part of that community, not just join up and read the newsletter here and there, but be a part of that experience with these people. And that's how we mitigate the relationships of those who would hold us back. And by the way, those adverse relations of the people who are holding us back are there in our lives for a reason. And what they're doing is making us stronger. And it doesn't mean it's easy to make the decisions that you have to make to go in the direction that you need to go to heal. But this is the fundamental import and purpose of your life. If you have a chronic illness, you are to do something about it because it's with you all the time. You're not supposed to run away from it or cover it up or hope and wish it'll go away. You need to do something with it. And that's what our adverse relations teach us is which direction to go and how to get stronger in that pursuit of wellness. So that's what we teach. That's only part. That's a very small part of what we teach in the uh, AS Recovery Challenge group. Because this is fundamental to healing. You've got to be part of a supportive community. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I think it's absolutely necessary. And not only a supportive community, people that know how to do it and have done it themselves. So when I, when I had AS really severely, I was dating a woman who was really smart. She was the, she was the one that actually introduced me to the world of the mind-body connection. I was not a believer before then at all. I remember <laughs> calling her an extremist. I was in, I was in a ton of pain. I was pissed. I was taking medications and I was taking 35 plus pills every day. Oh. And I remember her saying, Sky, what if this was stress related and things like that? And I was just not willing to hear it. And I, I was, I got pissed. I got super defensive wouldn't take any responsibility and just called her an extremist. And, uh, <laughs> and later on I started to open up and I saw that she, um, she was a cheerleader. And when I opened up to the mind body connection, she was like, yes, guy, like go. And that was awesome, but she didn't have the tools. She didn't have the resources. She didn't have the experience to actually guide and coach me in the ways that were necessary. That was something that you offered. And so it's not just having a supportive community that's, that's cheering you on. I think that that's great. It's having a supportive community that not only knows how to do it, but especially those that have done it themselves and can speak, speak to you from a place of knowing what you're capable of. And I find that as I've been developing myself and becoming more confident in talking to people about their health and how valuable I am in this world of mind body, a big part of that comes because I'm speaking to people from a place of knowing what they are capable of because I've done it myself. And I know the process. That's exactly why you are so valuable for me at the same time. And it's been an honor to, to be able to offer that, to other people as well. That's exactly right. And that's what coaching is about. Uh, you know, the difference between a coach and a therapist, one of those differences is that the coach is looking for where we're going from here. The therapist is looking at where you've been and what has been your stumbling blocks and let's go into the past and uncover the issues that occurred and so forth, who did what to whom. Coaching doesn't, isn't interested in any of that because the coach has already been through that process 
and prevailed. So if you're a football player, you want a coach who knows football, who's played football, who's done well in football, and who can coach you to be your best in, on the gridiron on the football field. It's the same thing for a wealth coach. If you're a person who's a career and, and wealth coach, you better have produced a lot of wealth and you better know how to do it. If you're a health coach, you better be in a healthy state of mind and body, you know? Sound mind and body if you're gonna teach others how to be a health coach. That's why sometimes I find it ironic that a lot of the health coaches or medical practitioners are in terrible shape themselves. They're <laughs> overworked, they're underslept, they're overcaffeinated, they're overweight. And I'm not bagging on people for being who they are. You know, they have got their situations that are creating that in their lives. But if you're gonna coach somebody, you better darn well know what you're talking about because you've done it and you can see the potential in your client. You know, that's, like I said, with the analogy of the sports coach, if, you, if you're coaching a quarterback, you know what his specialties are and how he's good at throwing the ball down the field and threading the needle with his receivers, as opposed to if you're coaching the defense, you know, like the defensive linemen who are there to break open the pathway to get to the backfield and put the quarterback down before he can throw the ball. So you're seeing the potential in each one of these players, what they're best at and how they can best use these talents and abilities to accomplish their goal. That's what a good coach can do. You can see it in the other individual and see what they can do to improve their game and make that happen rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what you're referring to and talking about, isn't it? Exactly. And in our type of coaching, one thing that makes us very unique is that we know what it's like to be in pain. I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was making my bed last night and I was shaking my head and I was, I was just realizing that you and I have had, we're no stranger to chronic pain. We're no oh. stranger to emotional pain. And that is something that is really important to understand. Again, speaking with a, a therapist, for example, that doesn't understand chronic illness or chronic pain or, or the stress involved, they're, they're like mediocrely helpful at best. Well, they the haven't real... been through the experience, have they? They don't know what exactly is going on there. They're, they know from referential intentions, like they've read it in a reference book. They've studied yeah. the condition in the text, and that's all they know about it. Yeah, it's now, it's, that's it's, not true across the board. There are some very good therapists out there who are more intuitive than that and can see better what's going on in the individual and help with them. But typically, again, we're back to the point of you want to work with somebody who's been where you are and prevailed. Yeah, agreed. And now to to solidify the point of it's not only a mindset, it's it's the feeling. I mean, you've emphasized that that this mindset, you didn't say you, you know you're part of a supportive community. It's that you feel that you're a part of a supportive community. The feeling is everything. The feeling is everything. Will you elaborate on the, the necessity and the meaning why the feeling is so important? So feeling is the secret sauce to any endeavor. If you can really feel it in your bones that this is your destiny and this is what you're claiming as your identity and what you're accomplishing and experiencing in this world, you're a lot more likely to get there than a person who doesn't know. I don't know my purpose. Maybe I'll end up there someday. Who knows? So the feelings are everything. And in fact, I was reading a book by Greg Braden 
last last week I read this book called The Power Codes. And he talks about scriptural passages from every different scripture in the world. And they all talk about feel the prayer. Don't just try to talk with God or, you know, a deity of some sort and try and intellectually grasp what it is you want and see an image of it in your mind. The words that you're using in your prayer or your horizon or your appeal are there to help you feel something. And it's the feeling that the universe responds to. Mm-hmm. So you've heard athletes talk about, well, you know, the game came down to who wants it more? Who wants it worse? Who wants it more than the other guy? That's the guy who wants That's a feeling. Who wants it more? I want it more, more. I want more. That's a feeling. So now, how can we use this to our advantage? Because this is the secret sauce to success in any endeavor in our lives. When you feel it, how do you think rich people get rich? They feel like they're totally entitled to it. <laughs> this is my stuff. I earned this. This this belongs to me. They can feel it in their bones that they deserve it, even if they're shoddy people on the outside. So feeling is what's critically important in connecting with others. The human animal is a social species. We can't live by ourselves. You know, you've heard of hermits and uh, recluses and eremites and others who go and live by themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, none of us can really do that anymore because if, unless you grow your own food and make your own clothing, you're going to need somebody else to help you with that. So we're a social species and we're social creatures who benefit from the input of being around other people, and, and it's because of how we feel. And we need to be around like-minded individuals. People like people who are like they are. So if you're around people who are always nagging at you and telling you you'll never heal and you know you can't do this and you know it's a pipe dream and you, you just better uh, be uh, expecting the worst and looking out for number one and all the rest of that, that's the wrong relationship for us to be in if we're going to heal from an autoimmune disorder. Yeah, I agree. I like it's to think about it. It's a feeling. And I like to equate it... Um, into the framework of understanding biology of, to your point, we are social creatures. We have evolved in a way where we rely on a network for food, for safety, for clothing, for whatever. And if we do not have a network at all, like if, if we're kicked out of the tribe, it's a really stressful place to be because your survival was not guaranteed. I mean, and, and not even likely. And so it sends the body into a very heightened, stressed out state. And all of a sudden, when you feel the supportive network, and I, and I smile and laugh and think about all the people I've met over the years that have found us, that have had AS, and they're just like, holy crap, you guys exist? And it's, it changes their lives, and it's so fun to be a part of because they become part of of our network. And I, I, I can feel it in my body still, the importance of having a network of people that you know, and that you trust and that you care about. And especially people that are on the same, same pursuit and the same path of reclaiming their life from disease. Absolutely. I mean, yes, we are social creatures. And if you don't have that network in place to support you, 
and you're at the mercy of the winds that blow you in whatever direction you're going and not being with the like-minded individuals. So yeah, that's why I created this group. And I, I feel so good about it. You talk about feeling. It feels so good. What could be more meaningful than helping people out of chronic pain and giving them hope, trust, and love and support for the rest of their lives in a way that they give this to themselves now where they're not dependent on others for their care. So right there is where Peter and I lost connection. What he's saying is that in eight weeks, people learn what they need to know in order to reduce their pain. In Peter's words, reverse the cause and repair the damage. I'm putting a link to the five mindsets video that Peter mentions in this podcast. I'm putting them in the description. So I encourage you to look those up. It's really important. If more people knew those five mindsets that had ankylosing spondylitis, the more people would heal. When you integrate and embody those five mindsets and even just simply understand them, it gives you the necessary foundation in order to begin feeling better. That video can be found on the AS Victor's website. And like I said, I will put a link to it in the description. I also encourage you to download Peter's book. It's called Coping and Caring, I believe, for people with ankylosing spondylitis. Again, that book is free. And it's really, really important. I cannot emphasize enough how many people are in a situation that have AS, which is hard enough, but then also the people that they engage with the most are actually supporting illness instead of supporting health. I was recently talking with someone that I've been working with who's 26 years old, and he was noticing how his family kept on wanting to do everything for him simply just to help because they, they know that he's been in pain and so they're doing the best they can. And that's great. It can also support illness. And one thing that I will describe here, and again, I could go on at length about this, but our brain wants to keep us alive. It wants food, shelter, safety, water. And when someone that has AS when their brain perceives that they are receiving survival needs because they have the illness, then the brain starts to attach to the illness even more. So what this looks like is if someone has AS and all of a sudden everyone in their life starts doing everything for them, their brain is like, oh, it's actually good for me to keep this illness because then if it goes away, I might not be, be cooked dinner every night and tucked into bed and helped into the bathroom. And so it's a slippery slope of psychology to understand what's happening there. And I encourage you to reach out to me and ask me questions on that if you'd like, because it's a topic that's worth really going into and now is not the time, but that is a pattern that you can see. And so that's where it's really important to be aware of the relationships you have in your life and to begin cultivating relationships with people that not only care for you, but that know how to do what you want to do. Peter mentioned, hey, if you want to build a successful business, hire someone that knows how to do that and has done it themselves. If you want to learn how to make a lot of money, hire people that make a lot of money and learn from them. Don't hire someone that's broke. 
If you want to reclaim your life from disease, hire people that have done that, not people that don't know how to do that, right? It's common sense. And I'm also going to put links to the videos that I recently received that I did mention in this podcast from two people I've been working with. And it is their, they're just beginning to make content and I imagine they'll be making more in the future. But it's their first videos and they, they have a message of hope and a message of positivity for you. And the entire reason why I've worked hard building this platform is to teach you that it's possible to feel good again. If I, Sky Denton, and everything I've learned in all of these years and dealing with AS and dealing with medications and doctors and all of it, if I have one message for you, it is, it is possible to feel good again. And people are doing it all the time. And so these two videos are fine just to show you someone else's experience. And they're good friends of mine. They're awesome guys. And so, again, I'm putting links to those two videos in the podcast description. So, in conclusion, I am not a doctor, neither is Peter Winslow. We are experts in the mind-body connection, chronic pain, and ankylosing spondylitis. We have experience with diets, with nutrition, and we really, really love showing up for people that are interested in reducing pain and returning to play in their life. With that, I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being here. Any questions, reach out to me. SkyDenton.com is your place to connect with me. And if you sign up for any coaching and you mention that you've been listening to this podcast, I'll give you a 10% discount on any products or services that you decide to buy. And I will, I will end with this. I do firmly know that people with chronic disease that this type of work, this type of coaching is one of the most important things that you could be doing with your life right now. I'm not honoring myself if I get off this show and don't encourage you to engage yourself in the community of people that Peter and I have built and to learn from us because we have a lot that we've been through that we can share. With that, everyone, I'm wishing you the best. Enjoy your life. And I will talk to you next time.